Uh, we're in week three of Same God. Wow, I feel loved this morning. Week three of Same God, and today I'm gonna talk about, or week four, final week, I'm so sorry. And I'm gonna talk about when you need revival. When you need revival. I know many of you, you need revival, whether it's just personally, spiritually, you just don't feel the same as you used to. You know that something is just off. You just need a fresh touch of God in your life. Maybe it's in a circumstance in your life where it is looking very dark and hopeless and you need the resurrection power of God to resurrect something in your life, but you need revival. A few weeks ago, Dustin and I were watching Monday Night Football and uh, it, was the, it was the craziest night. We, I feel like we're a football church. I don't know, am I right? We talk about football a lot. It's one of our core values. We love the NFL. No, just kidding, just kidding. We're watching <laughs> this game and it's the night that the safety for the Buffalo Bills, Damar Hamlin, is making just what looks like a clean, normal tackle, nothing crazy about it. He falls to the ground, tackles this guy, gets back up, stumbles back, and collapses on the field. One of the craziest things I have ever seen um, in a football game, I, it's never happened in NFL history, but this guy essentially dies on the field. They have to come out and they're reviving him, doing CPR, and it's the craziest scene because you have, I mean, these big football players that are like, I mean, probably not the most godly people, who knows, God is their judge, but they're turning into prayer warriors that night, you know what I mean? And everyone is praying and there's devastation on the field that night. And the whole stadium once was this lively, energetic, like, you know, if you've ever been to an NFL game, it is just fun and full of joy and excitement. And all of a sudden this happens, it's like the energy and the life is sucked out of the environment and it's devastating. And I think what is so intriguing about this is that every single football player that was there, everyone sitting in the stadium, and every human being that has ever been born and will ever be born will die one day unless Jesus comes in their lifetime, right? So death is going to happen. We all have an appointment with death, but what threw us off so much that night was that death invaded a place of life. This was a lively, fun environment, and all of a sudden, it took us by surprise, and I think some of you, you feel the same about your life. What once was a place of life, your home, your marriage, I mean, there was a time when there was passion and joy and connection in your marriage, and you were on the same page, and you had the same goals, and things were just going well, and then you wake up one morning saying, what, how did I get here? How did we get in this place where it seems like death, a death of a dream, a death of a home that I thought I was gonna have, or maybe, I mean, I've seen churches like this, I visited cathedrals where once it was a place of life and the presence of God was once there. You know what I'm talking about. And then over time, for some reason, people just drifted and things are just going and life happens and people turn their back on God and you walk into that same environment where God's presence was there and then you look around and say, how did it get to a place of death? There's no life, there's no joy, there's no passion for evangelism. What happened? How did we get here when death invades a place of life? I'm gonna talk about today a story in the Bible 
about the people of God and how they found themselves in a place of death. And every single week of this series, it seems like we're telling the same story with just different cast members, really. It's the same story of God's people who, you know, God will do something incredible for them. It's a miracle. They're living their best life. And then they all of a sudden, you know, they get cold and distant from God and I don't need God anymore. And then they find themselves in this place of captivity, bondage. They're in a mess. And then they're like, oh my goodness, God, we need you. You know, they cry out to God. And then he rescues them. And it's this horrible cycle that they find themselves in, just like you and I do so many times, where we're just in this cycle of, of, of needing God and then feeling like we don't and getting ourselves into a mess. And so that's where this story picks up with the people of God, is they're on the part of the cycle where they are in bondage and slavery, and they're in a bad, bad situation. And at that time, Ezekiel is the prophet to the nation. He is the mouthpiece of God to the nation. And God tells Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 36, I'm going to rebuild the house of Israel. I'm gonna rebuild your army, and I'm going to restore what the enemy has taken from you. And this place that you found yourself in, I'm gonna rebuild all of it, all the shame, all of the the mess that you've made, I'm gonna fix it and I'm gonna restore it. And so that's where we're gonna pick up and we're gonna move to chapter 37, where something really interesting and honestly a little bit weird happens. And if you'll just follow along, Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me. This is Ezekiel talking. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath. From the four winds, breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is a wonderful, amazing picture of what God can do with a situation that looks completely hopeless. A valley of dry bones scattered on the floor of the valley, and God brings resurrection power. So I wanna talk today about when you need revival, and we're gonna walk through some steps. The first thing you need to do when you need revival is you have a question to answer. In verse three, it says, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? You know, we, 
We always have questions for God. I feel like, you know, like, God, why? Why me, Lord? <laughs> when are you gonna come through? Or God, I don't understand. Why is this happening? We always have questions for God. But God asks questions sometimes. And you know, it's not because he needs the answer, but he asks leading questions. Like a lawyer asking a leading question, trying to get us to come to some sort of conclusion, just like he asked Adam in the garden when he sinned, and Adam's hiding, and he says, Adam, where are you? He wants Adam to like think about where he is. Why am I hiding? What is going on? The same thing happens with Elijah. Elijah literally calls fire down from heaven. I mean, this is the most amazing miracle. He calls fire down from heaven and everyone could see that Jehovah was the one true God. Talk about a spiritually high mountaintop, literal mountaintop experience Elijah had. Then he comes down off the mountain and he realizes King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they are going to hunt him down and they said, we're gonna kill you. And he finds himself under a tree, very depressed, and actually wanting to die. And God asked Elijah a question. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you not remember who I am? So some questions God asks are rhetorical. Some questions are to bring us to conviction. Just like Adam in the garden when God said, Adam, what have you done? What have you done? Why have you sinned? These questions are to bring conviction, but some questions are supernaturally designed to bring us into a miracle with faith. He wants to ask us a question today. Can these dry bones live? This was not a question about the bones. Not a question about dry bones. This was a question about what Ezekiel believed about his God. He's saying, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Not a question about his circumstance. He's saying, what do you believe about me? What do you know about my character, about my nature, about my ability to do miracles time and time again? What do you believe about me, Ezekiel? Can these dry bones live? God is asking you the same question today about your circumstance, about your family about a lost child that you've prayed for for so long and it feels hopeless and they're so distant and closed off and you think, there's no way. God is asking you a question. You've got a question to answer. What do you believe about your God? What do you believe he can do? Has he not saved people time and time again? He's a God of salvation. He always has been and he's always working and moving behind the scenes. You've gotta believe it. What do you believe about your circumstance? And what do you believe about the dry bones that are scattered on the ground? What do you believe about your God? What do you believe about him? You have a question to answer. The next thing is you have a command to obey. So you question to answer, a command to obey. Let's look at verse four. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life, then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I love that line when Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. 
When I say the word prophesy, a lot of different things come to your mind probably right now. If you grew up in a charismatic type church, you're probably thinking, weird. <laughs> come on, be real. Prophesy, it sounds like a weird word. Like what is prophesy? Prophesy, to prophesy is really just declaring the word of God over your circumstance, over your life. When you prophesy, it is just speaking God's word. And I love that Ezekiel said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He did not know if it would work. He didn't know the outcome. He didn't know what was on the other side of his obedience, but he said, I'm going to prophesy as I was commanded. I'm going to do it because he told me to. I think a spirit of obedience needs to rest on the church again. To where we say, I, I really don't know what the outcome is, but if he told me to do it, I'm gonna do it. If he tells me to give, I'm gonna give. If he tells me to serve, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve. If he tells me to be faithful, I'm gonna show up because I'm gonna do as he commands me to do. I have a spirit of obedience and a heart that says yes to God. I wanna do what he said to do. So he prophesied as he was commanded. He did what God told him to do. When I was a kid, my parents would listen to Southern Gospel in the car. There was like KNYD was the radio station and I know, pray for me. Anybody like Southern Gospel? Like 5%, it's okay. <laughs> I kinda like it sometimes. I think I like every kind of music. But there is a song that would come on the radio and it's, I've got a feeling that everything's gonna be all right. And, and the truth is, there have been times when I just had a feeling that God was gonna show up. I mean, I knew deep in my heart, I've got a feeling you're gonna show up. But there have been times when I had no feeling. There have been times when I was so broken, so disappointed. I was praying the same prayer over and over again and it felt like God wasn't moving and I didn't have a feeling. And sometimes you won't have a feeling. Sometimes you're gonna have to push past this, this season, I'm not having a feeling. I don't have a feeling you're gonna move, God. I don't even know what's gonna happen, but I'm going to prophesy as you commanded. I'm gonna speak your word anyway. I'm gonna declare your promises anyway. I don't care what happens. I'm just gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna obey. My heart is to obey. We live in this generation of what's in it for me, right? We have this we're all like, so what's in it for me? If I do this, then what will you do for me, God? I need to know what's in it for me. Can we not just have a heart that says, God, if you tell me to do it, I will do it. If you tell me to prophesy, speak the word of God over my situation, I'll do it. Whatever you ask me to do. I kinda wanna practice this this morning, is that okay? And I'm gonna give you a few scenarios or examples of how to pray and speak the word of God over your life. Um, if you are, let's say you're dealing with, God called you to do something specific and you really know this, but maybe you're kind of in this holding pattern or you feel like, man, it's been a long time and nothing's happening. I, I really, I don't even know if, if that was accurate. God, did I really hear your voice? You know, you're questioning, you're calling or maybe you've made some really bad mistakes and you're thinking, there is no way God can still use me. 
I have made so many mistakes. Here are some scriptures that you can pray and you can speak over your life. Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I am confident if you started this in me, you're going to finish it. So you speak the word of God over your life. Can we go to the next one? The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. God, I believe you're faithful and I believe that you called me. And so I'm just gonna hang in there and I'm gonna speak your word and I am confident that you are going to complete what you started. This is how you speak the word of God over your life. Maybe you need healing in your body and you have zero faith right now. You speak the word of God over your situation, over your sickness. Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weakness, and distresses, and he carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So you speak that over your life, God. I believe that when you went to the cross, Jesus, that with your stripes, I am made whole. So I cling to your word, and I speak, and I prophesy as you commit me too. The next one is Matthew 8, 17. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. You speak the word of God over your life. Maybe you're dealing with some issues with your children. Maybe they're in rebellion or you're having just a difficult season with this. Let's, let's speak the word of God over them. Matthew, where are we? Isaiah 49, 25, that's where we are. For I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save, defend, preserve, rescue, deliver your children. Don't you love that? I love this one, I'm gonna go back. For I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save, defend, preserve, rescue, deliver your children. God, I believe that you're gonna preserve my kid. I believe you're gonna rescue them, you're gonna deliver them. If they're dealing with addiction, I just believe this in Jesus' name, you're gonna set them free. I speak the word of God over my kids. Maybe you're in a season of dealing with mental health and it's a struggle and you are not okay. You don't wanna talk about it, but you're not doing well. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I love this, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You speak that over your life. You're the God of all compassion and comfort, God. And I am declaring, I'm speaking your word, that when you pull me out of this thing and you do a work on my life, I am going to be a light and a help to those who are in the same place. And I'm gonna reach down and I'm gonna help them in Jesus' name. I believe that. The next one would be Psalm 40, one through three. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. There's something to declare of your life when you're dealing with mental battles and you're not okay in your mind. God, you're gonna give me a firm place to stand a firm foundation where I don't feel like everything is spinning and out of control. You give me a firm place to stand. How many know that faith comes by hearing? Hearing comes 
the word of God, when you hear the word of God spoken, all of a sudden your faith is restored and renewed. So powerful. You have to trust him to put things together. You gotta picture this. Ezekiel starts declaring the word of God. It's a valley of bones. Creepy. (laughs) A valley of bones. And as he begins to speak and declare the word of God, a rattling starts happening. This has got to be the coolest moment ever. A rattling and a shift starts happening. And all of a sudden, it starts connecting bone to bone, tendons, muscle, flesh, skin. It all comes together exactly how it should. Once you think about that, how complex and intricate the human body is. I mean, this is wild that the bones come together exactly how they should and connect exactly how they need to. And the muscle and the tendon, the flesh, everything starts connecting in this complex way exactly how it needs to. And the skin comes on beautifully exactly how it's supposed to. And you can't trust God to put your life back together again. This is a God who can take something so unbelievably complex and out there and make it happen. He can put things back together again. I don't care how scattered your life seems or how your relationships seem like, man, too many things have been said, too many hurt feelings, too many broken moments in this relationship. God can put it back together again. If he can assemble the bones of a field of dry bones, a valley of dry bones, he can put your life back together again. He can do it. You have to trust him to put your life together exactly in the order and the process that it should. I love that it happened in the exact way, the exact timing, and the exact process, exactly how it should, bone to bone, tendons, muscle, I don't know the order, I'm just saying, flesh, skin. Isn't it wild that this is actually the opposite of the way a body, a human body, would decay and decompose, and then God is reversing this whole entire thing. I mean, I don't know how things have fallen apart for you, but he's a God of restoration, and he can put in reverse how things have decayed, and he'll just, oh, no, I'm gonna put it back together again. Isn't that beautiful? What a God we serve that he can reverse what the enemy has been trying to do. He can turn the whole thing around and he can give you something beautiful and powerful. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Do you have a question to answer? You have a command to obey and then you have a bold prayer to pray. You've got a bold prayer to pray. Let's look at what this bold prayer is. Verse nine, it says, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The bold prayer is, Holy Spirit, come and breathe new life into this situation. Holy Spirit, come and breathe in me again. 
Make me new again. Holy Spirit, come. I want you to think about this moment um, with the Trinity in mind, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So you have to understand that the Father wills it, the Son makes it possible, but the Holy Spirit activates. The Holy Spirit activates, it sets in motion the things that need to be set in motion. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So you see the Father, he leads Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he led me to this valley of dry bones. That's the Father, it was his will for resurrection to happen. And then the word was proclaimed. How many know Jesus was the word made flesh? So he makes it possible, the word declared, but then the Holy Spirit is the activator. The Holy Spirit is the one that sets in motion. Now, I love the fact that this is, this is a personal, this could be taken personally, for personal revival, or also we can see this through the lens of needing corporate revival. We need a church that is Holy Spirit activated, that the, the breath of God will set in motion. And what is so wild to me is that you have this army. So the word of God has declared, you have this army. I mean, the bone to bone, flesh, tendon, skin, they're laying there. They look like an army but it hasn't been activated yet. I think sometimes the church, it looks like the church. We look like a godly person. We have all the outside you know, criteria. Look, I look like the church, but has the spirit of God invaded my life? Do I have the breath of the living God in me? Have we been activated? I don't wanna just look like the church. I want to actually be the church. I don't wanna just look good, I wanna be good. I don't wanna just have a form of godliness and yet deny the power of God, right? I want the spirit of God breathing in my life, breathing on our church to where we are set in motion. We are activated, we are reaching people for Christ, that there's a strong presence of God for addiction to be broken, for chains to come off of people, to not do this religious thing where every Sunday we just sing our songs and go through the motion, but we are Holy Spirit active. What does the Spirit of God do in our lives? What is the role of the Spirit? Well, the, the Spirit of God makes us holy. The Spirit of God comes in and, and edits our thoughts and edits our words and our attitudes and challenges where we're wrong. And it calls us to a higher place of holiness. The word holiness is not a bad word. We say, well, I don't need to be holy because Jesus is holy. Oh, because of Jesus, you can be holy. And the world is counting on you, counting on the church to live a life above, to live a life of integrity and holiness and full of the power of God where we're not just a fake. I don't wanna be fake. I don't wanna look like an army and not have the spirit of God living on the inside of me. I want the spirit of God to draw us to a place of holiness and integrity. The spirit of God will also change your hunger problem. It'll fix your priorities. It'll fix what you're hungry for. Have you ever wasted your hunger on the wrong thing? Like, for real, like you're like, dang it. 
I didn't know they were gonna have that later and I just ate this Little Debbie cake. Or, you know, <laughs> I hate Little Debbie cakes. Sorry, I don't know why. Right, I ate all this candy and then someone invited me to go have a steak. It's the worst. Wasting your hunger on the wrong thing. It's the worst. I got so mad at Dustin, my husband, <laughs> like two years ago, we're at my mom and dad's for Christmas and we have this big family dinner the day after Christmas and it is, the food is so good, like legit so good. And we always have dinner at two o'clock, which is such a weird time because it's not, it's like too late for lunch and too early for dinner, but that's just what we do, I don't know why. They say it's a tactic of my grandmother's to make us all like really hungry to where like, this is the best food I've ever had. I think it is like a secret <laughs> tactic of hers. But I noticed while we were getting ready for the dinner, Dustin, is dis he disappeared and I'm like, where'd he go? Whatever, I didn't think about it. There's so many people around. We show up to dinner and like, I'm like pigging out. And then I look over and he's barely like, he's just like poking at his food, not really eating that much. And I'm like, that's something fishy about this, right? And I found out that he went like an hour before dinner, he went to the Dairy Dart. This is a local place with amazing chili cheese dogs. They really are good. But you don't wanna eat a chili dog instead of my grandma's homemade ch chicken and dumplings. You don't wanna do that. He wasted his hunger on the wrong thing. I think many of us do the same thing. We fill ourselves so full of everything else. We are so hungry and we're filling ourselves with everything else in the world, everything else that we think is gonna satisf satisfy us and then we miss out on the very thing that's gonna satisfy our hunger, the spirit and the presence of God. Don't waste your hunger on the wrong thing. The spirit of God, it'll fix your hunger problem. It'll make you hungry for the right thing. Our bold prayer is spirit, come. Breathe on us again. Breathe on your church. Fix me, change me. I wanna be like you, God. I love hearing stories about revivals in the past, like revivals all throughout American history even. Some amazing moves of God have happened. And uh, I think that one of the coolest things for me, I don't know, the past, was it last month? January is the longest month ever. But last month in December, we were in Kentucky visiting my family and I had the opportunity to stay the night with my grandma. And I have not stayed there since I was a little kid, but my grandma is awesome. She just turned 90. She is a fierce woman of God. She's awesome. And so she is such a night owl. Like, literally, she stays up so late. And so it's like 10, 30, 11. I'm thinking, she's gonna be tired soon. Nope. So Dustin, being the old man that he is, goes to bed. <laughs> I always tease him, because he's such a... He's so, honestly, he's so disciplined. He gets up so early. He is not a night owl. Um, but grandma is a night owl. So we stayed up till 2.30 in the morning talking. 90-year-old grandma. And she started telling me stories about my heritage, about how she came to Christ. And I was so into it. I was like, this is amazing. So the story she tells about when she came to know Jesus was her whole family were unbelievers, and except for her mother. So there were six girls, they were all teenagers, and then the dad, and they didn't know the Lord, and 
the mother had gotten saved but was just kind of timid and kind of afraid of, of her husband and just, I don't know. But she, my grandma had an aunt that lived a couple of hours away and her name was Aunt Marthy and she was like a true like Appalachian woman. I mean, true hillbilly like in the mountain. This is my, these are my people guys. <laughs> this is who I am. So Aunt Marthy is a preacher and she is a woman of God. And it's such a, I'm a place of poverty and there's so much to the story, but my grandma told me that Aunt Marthy went on a 21 day fast of water only, praying for her family to know Jesus. God save my family. Lord save my family, Spirit of God, will you please talk to my family. And while she's on this fast, God speaks to Aunt Marthy and says, if you'll go visit your family, I'll save them. So her husband works for the railroad. <laughs> that sounds like a movie. <laughs> it's true. Her husband works for the railroad and so she gets on a train and, and goes to visit my grandma and their family. And she's preaching a revival there in that town. And I love that she's a preacher and we've got women preachers all in my family. <laughs> and she's so cool. So anyway, she, Night one of the revival happened, nothing, night two, and none of them were going to a revival. And she felt like, after two or three nights of this revival, the Spirit of God once again spoke to her and said, you need to talk to Ethel, which is my grandma. So she goes into her bedroom, and she says, Ethel, today is your day, and you need to go ahead and just turn your life over to Jesus. This is what you need to do. It's time. And my grandma said, usually I would be like, leave me alone, or you know, I don't. She said, but there was something about that moment, and the presence of God was there so strong. She just said, I looked at her and said, okay, okay. So she goes to church that night. She hits the altar when it was time. She gives her life to Jesus. A couple of years later, she meets my grandpa, who was an evangelist. They get married. They're in ministry, they have five children. All of them have been in, been in ministry, two of them missionaries, the rest pastors. Then she has 19 grandchildren. Most of us are in ministry. 19, 47 great-grandchildren. Yeah, Christmas is crazy around there. <laughs> 47 great-grandchildren. I don't know what God is gonna do in all of their lives, but one of them preached a couple of weeks ago. I'm talking about an encounter with God and a hunger for the Spirit of God, a moment that can have generational impact. I'm not talking about you have a moment with God and then you forget about it and it's over and it's done. I'm talking about a generational change that can happen when you pray this bold prayer. Spirit of God, come and breathe on me and breathe on my family and breathe in my circumstance and change things forever. Change things forever. And I love the last line of this entire passage. It says, and then they rose up a vast army. You know, resurrection has one purpose, and that is to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. 
Every time he brings resurrection to your life, guess what? You have an assignment on the other side of resurrection. You have an assignment on the other side of resurrection. So when God breathes on this church and breathes on you personally and fills you to overflowing and you have a hunger for the presence and the spirit of God, I'm telling you it's for his glory and for his purpose that we can transform our city, transform our families, transform our nations, and that we can see the glory of God be revealed on this earth. That's the purpose of resurrection. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. I believe he wants to bring resurrection to you today. This is not an out there thing. I believe that the God of resurrection, who resurrected things all throughout scripture, and Jesus Christ himself, because he rose from the dead, we have resurrection power. And it wants to invade this church in this city for such a time as this. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Come on, give God praise. Come on, give him praise. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here and that you're moving and that you want to empower your church. I pray, God, that we would have a hunger and a desire for you and you alone. Fix our hunger problem. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. If you need a miracle in your life this morning and you're at that desperate point, will you just lift your hand and we wanna pray with you. There's something in your life, I need resurrection. There is something in my life, I need God to move. Come on, let's pray together. Can we all just lift our hands? Just a sign of us reaching toward God. Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you that it's your will for resurrection to happen, God. And I pray that you would renew us refresh us in your presence. And I pray that we would hunger and thirst after you. We pray for every person needing a miracle this morning. We know that your eyes are on us, but even more than that, your heart is for us. And you wanna move in a powerful way, Lord, so we hold on to the promises of your word. We believe you, we will speak your word, and we will pray a bold prayer of send your spirit, Lord. We pray all of this in your name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give him praise this morning.